Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Here's the deal. When, when, when you're in the fog, it just creates all kinds of mayhem. It creates all kinds of challenges. <laughs> um, you, you saw people on the side of the road trying to warn people and get people out of the car. All those kinds of things are real life experiences. Especially, I, I'm, I'm that guy right now that's on the side of the road going, get out of the car, get out of the car, or hey, watch out, or whatever you want to call it. Right now, I'm that guy. And I want to uh, just encourage you, one, that it's unnecessary to wreck your car, wreck your life. It's unnecessary to go down this path of experiencing the fog in such a way that it ruins something. It's unnecessary. So I hope that little clip was helpful at least to give kind of context to why it's important to understand why we shouldn't live in the fog. There's a, a, in, in today's world, there's an, a, a maze of confusing pieces of information. And there's all kinds of different pieces of information that create confusion. There's conflicting values, all touted as correct and necessary. There's, there's these values that are being placed um, out there on uh, whatever source of information you receive, there's a value placed on it. And everyone's saying, this is the value that you need to adhere to. This is the value that you need to listen to. There's opinions that have gone from opinion to dogma, where someone's opinion about life, or someone's opinion about the way things should be, has become their moral uh, uh, rock that they want to stand on. And, and you guys, I just want to encourage you today. It is so important that we get out of the fog or we understand what to do in it. Let me ask you this question. It, and you can answer these questions uh, somewhat and, and, and maybe take a little quiz. What to do in the midst of the fog? Keep going at the speed you're going. True or false? That's false, okay? Don't keep going fast. That's not necessary. Here's another one. Keep the brights on. Keep the brights on, your lights on high beams. That's another false. You shouldn't keep your lights on high beams. Uh, what, how about this one? Stop on the road before you hit someone or something. That's a false. Don't stop on the road, otherwise you'll be like those people in the video. You'll, you will be the one that, that if you stop in the road, get off the road. We'll talk about that in another message. And then lastly, stay straight and don't move right to the left. False. There's another false because you don't want to keep uh, on staying straight if the road turns. There's some information that you need to make sure that you're on the road, that you stay on the road. And so there's all kinds of things. There, there's a reason we need to know what to do in the fog. And today we're going to talk about slowing down. There's one necessary thing that you have to do no matter what kind of weather it is and uh, in, in the bad weather. You have to slow down. You have to slow down and you have to, uh, if it's raining, if it's foggy, if there's a sandstorm, if there's a fire and smoke's going across the freeway or the highway or the road, wherever you are, no matter what you do, you have to slow down. Have, have you ever considered the pace at which you live? I mean, just think about how fast you live today. And maybe you're just kind of 
boom, 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 boom. If you're, uh, some people say a type A personalities are fast personalities and, and other personalities are slow and, and, and more carefree and don't kind of move at the same pace. But no matter what personality you are, in today's world, we tend to live pretty fast. Have you, uh, we have fast food, we have fast service, we have self-help lines at the grocery stores, we have fast lanes for the freeway. I don't know why we have fast lanes for the freeway when there's a speed limit, but I get it. I get it. Some people move faster, especially here in California. There's, there's fast lanes and then there's really fast people in fast lanes. Um, let, me, let me do this quiz with you. Do you count, this is a way to find out if you're living fast, okay? Do you count the items in someone's grocery basket to determine which line you get in? <laughs> That's me. I'm counting the, the, the grocery items in somebody's basket and I'm trying to figure out, okay, now they have a lot, so that's gonna take a long time. They have a few. What I've learned about me personally, this is Ricardo's issue. I am the long line. It does not matter what line I get in. No matter what line I get in, something happens to make it a long line. I'll get in line with no one in there and they have to change out their cash box. Or I'll get, or some things, there's some price that isn't, isn't easy to find, whatever the case may be. So I've learned that I am the long line. If you are in the same grocery store I'm in and you're in my line, get out of it because it's gonna be a long time. And so, um, but if you're the one that counts the items in someone's grocery basket, shame on you. And no, I'm just kidding. But um, you're, you're probably living at a very fast pace. Here's another quiz question. Do you measure up a car to see how fast they may get started at a stoplight? Okay, there's a small car, there's a big car. This one's going to get going fast. This one, I, I'll measure up the driver. You look at the driver and go, oh, no, they're going to be a slow starter. This one's going to be a fast starter. If you're that person that does that kind of stuff, you're a fast person. All right. Do you start nodding your head in a conversation to help the person speed up their explanation? <laughs> Are you like, okay, uh-huh, uh yeah, I get it. I, uh, yep, uh-huh, I'm that person. If, uh, here's, a, here's a hint about Ricardo. If you are talking to me and I start saying things like, that's good, that's really good, that's good, then I'm probably starting to speed up the conversation. My wife tells me that when I start saying those things, I'm pretty much getting to the end of my attention span. It's not your fault, it's my fault. Uh, do you find yourself multitasking to accomplish more? Do you find yourself doing things all the time, different things all the time? Um, are you too busy to organize things? Are you moving super fast that everything kind of stays messy because you don't take the time to put things away or all those kinds of things? Or lastly, do you go a mile wide with people but are an inch deep with connection? Ooh, that one might hurt. Are you really fast in your relationships? You, you meet with them, you talk with them, but you're more fast about getting, uh, getting kind of the relationship going and over with than you do kind of hanging out and being slow about letting the relationship grow and go deeper rather than wider. Carl Jung, he's a philosopher, said this. He said, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. He said that, really, isn't that powerful? Hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil because it, it makes us, I, I like what uh, this other 
uh, author said his name is John Ortberg. He wrote a book called The Life You've Always Wanted. If you haven't read that book, I encourage you to get it right now. Go to your Kindle store, go to Amazon, wherever you need to go get a book. The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. It's an amazing book. I use it in one of my university classes and um, <clears throat> to have our students learn the disciplines of slowing and, and other disciplines in their life. But this is what he says. Um, he says that hurry will stunt our growth. He says, the great danger is not that, that we will renounce our faith, but that we will settle for a mediocre version of it because we're in such hurry. That we're okay with shallow rather than depth. And there's no way that you can hurry through the Word of God. There's no way you can hurry through prayer. There's no way you can hurry through a relationship that is developed in depth with God. I thought that's great. The great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, but settle for a mediocre version of it. That's powerful. Well, the big question that we're answering in this series is simply this. What allows the Christian to maintain peace, joy, mission focus, and confidence in the midst of cultural fog? What allows us to, to enjoy the confidence that we can have even though we're in the fog? We don't have to live in a panic. We don't have to live uh, wondering what we're going to hit. We don't have to live in that context. We can live knowing that God has a plan and a way of life. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about the themes that I see in Jesus' life, the practices that we see in Jesus' life as he slows down in his life. As you know, as you may know, um, maybe you're a guest of ours today and you don't know, that's okay. But as, as Jesus lived his life, he was very busy about showing himself to this world and helping redeem people. And one of the first places we find him is in Mark 1, 35-39. And, and, and we find him doing this. It's, it's a slow start to his day. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed where he prayed. And, and, and it's, it's this place where Jesus slows down. It's this place where Jesus uh, takes a moment and <clears throat> he says, I need, before I start my day, as I start my day, I need to slow down and meet with the Father. I need to meet and connect, connect with my uh, day, with my plans, with my purpose, with all that's going on. I need to connect with him. And so, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. And I know, I, I grew up in this era of, of people saying, well, you got to pray two hours a day. you got to pray four hours a day. And it, the, the quantity of time began to mean more than the quality of time. Here's the real, realization. If we're going to slow down, the best time to slow down is at the beginning, not the end. Start with the slow moment. Start with a, an opportunity of saying, ah. God, come into my day. Come into my moment and, and help me enjoy the slowness of this day. Help me to enjoy this day, to, to, to allow it to uh, get into my life and into my heart. You see, Jesus was very busy. He was healing many before this passage of Scripture, and he was healing many after this passage of Scripture. But one of the things that he did was he slowed down and he started his day. With, with slowness, with this opportunity to, to connect with God. I'm, I'm a morning person, but here's what I tend to do in the morning, and I'm at this true confession time. I tend to get up and get going. 
I tend to get up and get on my computer. I need to read the news. I need to study. I need to do this. I need to do that. Instead of going, let's take it one step at a time. Let's take it slow. I'm a, I'm a type A individual when it comes down to feeling those, the, the pressure of those tasks and all those things that happen at home and at, at, at church here and, and it, in anything else I'm involved in. I'm a chaplain or a, a professor or whatever the case may be. All those things tend to make me busy. And here's, here's the thing. If the, uh, have you ever heard this statement? If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. In other words, so busy that you, you neglect yourself. Maybe the people around you, maybe your purpose, maybe your plan. Jesus didn't let that happen. He was probably one of the busiest guys ever. After all, he's saving the world, right? It's not Bruce Willis. It's not these, these guys that are saving us from nuclear disaster. He's saving the humanity from the sin problem. That's a busy guy. And he takes time out. And early in the morning, before the sun came up, he was taking time out to pray. Another moment in Jesus' uh, life was uh, when he fed the 5,000. He fed 5,000 people with a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. He multiplied that with his creative power. He, he, he uh, spoke the worlds into existence. He can speak fish and bread into existence. And can you imagine how that fish and bread tasted? It had to be amazing. It had to be the best fish sandwich ever. It was definitely not a McFish sandwich or whatever that sandwich is called. Um, the McYuck fish. Uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> Mark 6, 45 and 46 says this. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples. This is right after he, he, he fed the 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. So he fed the 5,000, dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. One of the most busy, most intense moments of his life is when he uh, fed these 5,000 people. And all these people wanted to worship him. All these people wanted to make him king. And immediately he says, ah, nope, we got to stop. Our tendency is when things are going really good, speed it up. Hit the gas pedal. What I've learned is the best thing you can do is let off the gas. Take a moment, get your mind right, and, and allow things uh, uh, to, to settle down and to get into right perspective. And so when things are going crazy, it's often the time not to work harder, to slow down and to allow our hearts to come, <clears throat> uh, to come into, into right alignment with God and the plan that he has for our lives. Have you ever um, kind of been driving down the road and you're, you're driving down the freeway and then all of a sudden you, you, you realize you're going fast, but really all you're doing is going as fast as the rest of traffic. And you think, no problem, it's fast, it's 75 miles an hour, it's 80 miles an hour here in California, whatever the case may be, but all you're doing is keeping up with traffic. If you were to drive the speed limit, you would be going slow, or at least considered going slow. But isn't there a place where the franticness of, of going that fast along with everybody else just becomes a, a slow boil and you, you get used to it rather than realizing that you're beyond the limit 
You're beyond that place where it's healthy. You're beyond the place where it's safe. You're, you're in a place where now you're going as fast as everybody else is. Yeah, but you're not going the limit, the, the, the design that is to be safe and healthy. And I, I'm not trying to make a debate about speed limits. I'm just saying that it's easy to get in that place in life where we go as fast as everybody else is just because that's the speed everybody's going. Jesus takes a moment in one of his most amazing moments. He slows down. He gets everybody out. He sends everybody home. He sends his disciples off to, onto, onto a boat and into the water where eventually he's going to walk on the water and still the, still the seas. I mean, all these crazy miracles going on. And he takes time out to be alone and pray. Another moment that Jesus takes is when he heals a man with leprosy in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more. So he's getting more and more popular, more and more uh, attention is coming so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Even as his popularity grew, Jesus began to uh, get away and always slow down. See that, that, that the cycle that Jesus is exampling for us? And this is why I wanted to bring this about Jesus, not about uh, popularity or uh, anybody's uh, time management system. I think it's important that we see what Jesus does. And when uh, The first example was when he um, was getting up in the morning. His start was early. His start was slow. Even after feeding 5,000 and uh, eventually healing and, and, and delivering many more and stilling the waters and walking on water and having Peter walk on water with him, all those things, he still prayed. He heals a man with leprosy and his popularity is growing and he still prays. He slows down. He stops. He gets away from all the other stuff. He gets out of the fog to slow down and pray. Here's a, a, a little saying that I like to live by, and uh, I don't do this um, all the time well, so I'll admit that I'm not perfect at this, but um, there's a, a cool thing. If you remember this, it says diverting daily. Divert daily. Daily, take a moment and just divert. Slow down. Withdraw weekly. Take a moment in your week and make sure it's a little bit more extended than your daily one, but uh, withdraw weekly. Mellow monthly. Mellow monthly. Take a, a time in your month, schedule it out, maybe it's three or four hours, and you take that time in the month and you just mellow out. And then yield yearly. Yield yearly. So divert daily, withdraw weekly, mellow monthly, and yield yearly. Those are great tools that you can put in your calendar and know that there's moments where you're going to be able to slow down. And maybe that yield yearly is a three or four day retreat um, with your spouse or with some friends or whatever the case may be, um, you're taking some time out to slow down. No matter how busy it is, no matter how successful you are, no matter how great things are going, there's a moment where you still need to capture that, that alignment, that moment where you slow down. Because you may be in the fog and not even realize it. Just like those people in that wreck. They had no idea until that car was right there that they were going too fast and that there was a car in front of them. You can guarantee if they could have seen it, they would have slowed down. That's the value of diverting daily. That's the value of withdrawing weekly. That's the value of mellowing monthly. That's the value of yielding yearly. 
is that there's an opportunity to make adjustments. There's opportunity to see what's ahead. There's opportunities to get off the road. Whatever the case may be, there's opportunity to slow down. The last and maybe the most dynamic moment that Jesus made in his life and the adjustment that he made was when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. In Matthew 26, verse 36, it says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Isn't it crazy to think that the very moment that Jesus goes to pray, the very moment that Jesus goes to spend time with the Father is when he is about to give his life as a ransom for you and me. And so he, he, he goes, he says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. This is the Jesus that saved us. This is the Jesus that redeemed us. This is the Jesus that gave us life and hope. That when he was at his most difficult moment, he stopped and he prayed. He slowed down. This could have been the most foggy moment. In fact, he prays. He says, Go, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as you, I will, but as you will. It's the greatest prayer to pray when you're in confusion. It's the greatest prayer that you could ever pray when, when you're not quite clear. Lord, not my will, not what I want, not what I wish, but what you wish. That's clarity. I don't know. Lord, you know my heart, you know my desire, but really, it's all up to you. It's all your will. It's all your purpose. This is when we carry a mass amount of a burden of responsibility, when we're burdened with the things of life, when we're burdened with the things that are, are weighing us down. It's not time to hit the gas. It's time to hit the brake and slow down. Jesus was just about to give his life on a cross and go through one of the most torturous experiences ever. And what does he do? He stops and prays. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not good at this. I, I tend to want to hit the gas, and when things get hard, I try harder. And when things get difficult, I, I, I press against it rather than stopping and aligning my heart with everything that God wants. What is the cure for hurried sickness, if you will? What is the cur cure for this getting, what do I do in this fog? Slow down. What is the brake pedal for your life? What we've learned is that we need to recognize our speed. We need to recognize that we are going fast. And here's the question. It's not a question, and this, I think this question is important. The question is not, do you need to slow down? It is, why don't you want to? Why don't you want to slow down? What is, what's the big pressure? Maybe it's that we're, we're not trusting. Maybe it's that we're, we, we feel like nothing will happen if we uh, slow down, that things will be uh, behind. Even if you're late, maybe sometimes the better thing to do is to slow down. You're in a hurry if you don't want to slow down. Recognize your need for clarity. When we're in the fog, we need to understand that we have to get in the clear to be able to increase our speed, to get to a healthy moment. 
Recognize your need for clarity. Jesus would always slow rather than hit the gas when the intensity rose. Are we in that habit? We see when he was about to give his life on a cross, when he was healing uh, many people, when he was feeding 5,000, he would stop and pray. I think when we're in the fog, we need to follow Christ's example and slow down. No matter how intense life is, no matter how successful things are going, no matter what burden we're bearing, slowing down is a good thing. We need to choose to make an adjustment. We need to slow and we need to find solitude. That's the two things that I see Jesus doing is he slows down and he finds solitude and he centers his heart. He centers his heart. And we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks, about how do we get our heart in the right place? How do we find where the center is? How do we know where the, the drive lines are? And how do we keep in touch with what God wants there? Today, I want to encourage you, we don't have to live in this fog that is, is burdening us so much that we don't know what to do. We don't have to be uh, white-knuckled in life and, and going through life in such a way that we go, oh man, I'm, not, I, I, I'm just going to keep the ga- my foot on the gas, I'm going to go straight ahead and hope nothing happens. We don't, that doesn't have to be the way we live. We can slow down. We can grab our hearts and say, God, here it, here it is. Help me be in alignment with you. Stop and pray. Stop and find God in the circumstance, in the situation. I realize we're in a fog, and as, a, as your pastor, I want you to know that my biggest concern is that we allow someone to knock us off our track, knock us off the path that God wants us to be on. And I, I, I'm fighting against that. It's not about the fog. It's about doing what's right in the fog. And when we do, God is going to honor that. And he's going to bless you. And he's going to give you hope and life and strength and encouragement. And I want to pray for you right now because I believe that many of us are in this fog. We don't have to be caught in, in the, the, the flow of traffic and just keep going until there's a 70 car pileup. We don't have to be a part of that. We can get off the road. We can find our center. We can slow down. We can do all the things that make sense when the fog takes over. I want to encourage you today. God is moving so powerfully in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our world. Yes, there's uh, hesitations. Yes, there's restrictions. Yes, there's all these things. But none of them are more powerful than our God. And if we put our faith and trust in Him, And continue to worship, continue to hear his word, continue to love our neighbors, continue to do everything we can. We will come out of this fog with clarity, with power, with confidence at full speed. Let me pray with you. God, I believe today that you are speaking to your church and you are encouraging all of us to live with this hope, with this strength, with this encouragement. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us to slow down, hit the brakes, And Lord, drive safe, live safe in this fog. Lord, yes, there's so many opinions, so many weird thoughts, so many different things coming our way. But Lord, you are bigger than all of them. You are more powerful than all of them. You are the one who helps us see when we cannot see. You're the the one that helps us hear when we cannot hear. You're the one that helps us uh, uh, know when we do not know. Because you know all things. You are everywhere. 
You are all powerful and we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, for those that are living confused, those that are living frustrated, those that have this anger welling up inside their hearts, Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us get out of that fog and do the right things. Help us to slow down and get clarity in front of you like you did so many times in, in your ministry here on this planet. Lord, help us to slow down, connect with you and find your heart and be a redemptive influence in this world. Maybe you're with us today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I simply wanted to ask you this question. Are you ready to accept Jesus Christ as your, your Lord? All you have to do is say, Jesus, I know I've, I've sinned, I've made mistakes, but I believe that on the cross you died and you bled so that my sins could be forgiven. And you can say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And he will. And you can say, Jesus, I believe you were raised from the dead. And when you do that, you're confessing that you commit to live eternally with Jesus because he rose from the dead and promises us eternal life. And lastly, you just say, Jesus, I commit to serve you for my entire life. And when you do that, you become a part of the family of God. So I want to pray with you right now. And you can say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness of my sins. And based on the work that you did on the cross, I accept that forgiveness right now. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And today I have the promise of eternal life. I have hope and I now belong to the family of God. I commit to follow you with every ounce of my energy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, it was the best prayer you could ever pray. And it's so powerful to know that today you belong to the family of God. Will you let us know? Just on a connection card, go online and let us know that you today accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I believe that God is going to do some amazing things in your life. And today, one of the first steps we do to get out of the fog is simply slow down. I hope you enjoyed the service. I pray that you have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. God bless you, and thanks for joining us. Ron's going to lead us out with another song of worship. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.